This is a Kansas Memory, the Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast, featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in our collection. Today we are reading from the letters of Dr. Charles Robinson and his wife Sarah during the Territorial Kansas period. Think of this as Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, Kansas Territory Style. The move to Kansas began a period of enormous stress and change for the Robinsons, both because of the roughness of their new home and because of Charles's political prominence. As a leading figure in the Free State Movement, he was constantly in the limelight. In late May 1856, Sarah received a flurry of letters from friends in Kansas informing her that their new house and everything in it was burned to the ground during the sack of Lawrence, May 21, 1856. In addition, Charles was in jail in Lecompton on charges of treason because he was governor of the illicit anti-slavery legislature. Sarah's frequent extended visits back to Boston during this time vexed Charles, but could you blame Sarah if she was in no hurry to return to Kansas when her respectable husband wrote to ask her to move into jail with him while he awaited trial, saying, I am well treated and am to have a room where you could be comfortable if you choose to be here. It would afford me much pleasure to have you here if it would not be unpleasant for you. For the most part, we only have Charles's letters, so the banter is one-sided. Still, we can see that Sarah was not comfortable in her new home. She was no Caroline Ingalls of little house fame, ready to fight prairie fires or build log cabins if the occasion warranted. She came from a wealthy New England family and was better educated than most men in the new territory. She left Boston in 1855 to join her husband in the newly founded Free State Settlement of Lawrence, Kansas, and kept a diary on the journey to her new home, which she published in 1856 in her book, Kansas, Its Interior and Exterior Life. This passage, dated April 9, 1855, describes her good-natured attempt to help with the housework while she was staying with friends in Westport. We have some apples sent us from Kansas City. How fresh and nice they taste in these warm spring days. I have been down to the creek, half a mile from the house, for water. The well here is nearly dry, and most of the water used in this large family is brought from the creek. With assistance, I succeeded in bringing up a six-quart pail half full of water. A young married lady here, from Indiana, whose whole appearance gives evidence of unabated health, her lively ways bespeaking a rich fund of good nature who said, indeed, she never knew what it was to be tired, laughed merrily at us, that we have accomplished so great a feat. I enjoyed the laugh as much as she, and am quite sure that it borders a good deal upon the ridiculous to go half a mile for water and get only three quarts. But once strength is not equal always to their will, and carrying water is entirely novel business for me. Sarah supported the Free State cause in her own way. On her trips east, she spoke eloquently to the abolitionists about the dangers the Free Staters faced. When she published her account of their troubles, her work was compared to Harriet Beecher Stowe's anti-slavery novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Charles wrote to her on September 29, 1856, marveling that her celebrity was eclipsing his. My dear Sarah, I have not yet heard directly from you, although I see by the papers that you have passed through Chicago. You are getting quite noted to have your route marked by newspapers. It will soon be Mrs. Robinson and her husband, the husband of Mrs. Robinson, etc. What can I do to keep even with you? The prisoners are not yet released and have not been well treated. The governor is windy and occasionally very flat. He thinks he is awful smart and is getting ridiculous fast. The Missourians are coming in in large numbers to vote. We shall not vote. Mr. Higginson is here with a party. He preached Sunday, first rate. 
I should love very much to see you in our own home if we had one. When will this turmoil cease and we have quiet again? In haste and love, Charles. In his letter to Sarah from Lawrence on October 1st, 1857, Charles tries to mitigate her unhappiness with their living arrangements in Lawrence and the fact that his business takes him away so often. She must have remarked that she was tired of free state politics because he agrees, and then makes an intriguing remark about giving up and escaping to South America. I have been to Quindaro three days, settling up accounts, etc. I have slept but little for two nights, not going to bed last night till three o'clock, and I feel flat tonight. So please excuse me if I am no brighter than I should be. It would afford me great pleasure to feel that I could hide away in some obscure place with you and rest. I am getting sick of this turmoil and strife. I am about ready to go with Mr. Grover to South America. I am afraid you will not be able to keep house alone, but I desire that you should do as you prefer. Perhaps one of the hunt girls would be of some service to you, or some little boy. You could not well live all alone when I am away, as I suppose I must be sometimes. If you don't think best to keep house, we can board as we have done. I don't want you to make yourself sick or unhappy. I will send in this a draft on Mr. H. Sampson for $150. I have no other draft, or I would send more. I think I will meet you at St. Louis, and if you think best, we can make some purchases there. This letter will reach you about the 8th, and I will meet you in St. Louis on the 20th, Barnum's Hotel, or have a letter there for you with the hotel keeper. You can probably get most of your things, such as carpets, blankets, etc., about as cheap at St. Louis as at Cincinnati. In haste and love, your own Charles. Sarah and Charles's letters continued to illustrate the battle of wills that was going on between them during the territorial days. Charles was by all accounts a calm, solicitous man, but in his letter from Kundero, July 4, 1859, he seems to be losing his patience with Sarah. I think your feeling of want of usefulness would be in a measure removed if you did not isolate yourself from the human family, with the exception of a few chosen friends who need no improving. If the people are as bad as you think, it would seem that it is just the place for you to do good. You think some people are aristocratic or exclusive, but I know of no one more exclusive than yourself. I do not know whether your pride of character or circumstance or something else. For myself, I'm aware that I could find more leisure for reading, etc., etc., in another part of the country, but I am doubtful about it being right to shut myself out of all business and other connections just to gratify my desire for personal ease and happiness. At any rate, it is utterly impossible to get out at present if I would, and I have no inclination to brood over it. I have not written this in a complaining mood, but I thought you were looking on the wrong side of things. I do not know how soon I can go home. I should like very much to be free from here entirely, but it seems necessary for me to remain for the present. I think matters progress much faster when I am here than when I am away, although there is but little I can accomplish in any one day. I should be very happy if I could be with you all the time. When I am with you, I am infinitely more happy than when I am away, and I shall do all in my power to be at home all I can consistently with my duties here and elsewhere. I have written this with an office full talking all the while, and I will write more soon, and I hope better. Much love from your husband, Charles. 
In these excerpts from Sarah's letter to Charles from Lawrence, May 7, 1860, during another of his absences, Sarah does finally seem reconciled, if not content, with our new life. By this time, the Free State Wyandotte Constitution would have passed, and Charles was the governor-elect. I am glad you had so quick a trip, for car riding has few pleasures. I'm glad, too, you found Mr. and Mrs. S. situated so pleasantly. Home comforts go far towards making life desirable, to say nothing of their effect upon the health of body and mind. Were it not useless and hopeless, I should often find myself pining for such homes as the old states furnish. Simple though they may be, both in inner and outward adorning. Large roomy dwellings with trees, shrubs, and flowers around them are almost a necessity to the healthful tone of one accustomed always to them. It is only the consciousness that the loss of them may bring this, and greater good to some, makes me regard the sacrifice with a reconciled spirit. The weather has been unprecedentedly hot. Several days last week, the mercury stood at 94. Showers fell around us. We saw the lightning, but we were deserted of providence. It seems incredible with the sky we see over us that it should not rain. The heat is terribly debilitating. I have the old pains in arms and ankles as last summer and fear the fever will come again. Mrs. Emery is sick again. She is very frail. We did not go to any of the concerts and heard nothing of them. The chorus did a wonderful thing yesterday in singing a set piece of music immediately after the first prayer. Lizzie has a line from Mrs. Eddy today. She is in very great distress over the proposal of Dr. Lowry for the hand of her daughter. I found some beautiful silk at Kansas City and have made three neckties for you. I could find no slippers for myself. Will you bring me a pair? Number one and a half with bows or some little trimming on them. Parrot writes Kansas will not come in on account of the trouble at Charleston. I hope it may. It is such weary waiting for good fortune. Don't be gone long. If Lizzie were not here, I should die. Mr. Clark has sent us a long letter in reply to the Herald. It is flashy and not written in a pure, chaste, or effective style. He wishes whenever Lane's or Philip's names occur that they be printed in small letters. Yours lovingly, Sarah. More challenges would follow for the Robinsons. Charles's administration from 1861 to 1863 was tarnished by charges of corruption and impeachment proceedings. He remained active in Kansas politics till his death in 1894. Sarah lived at their Oak Ridge farm a few miles north of Lawrence till her death on November 15, 1911. The Mount Orient estate where Charles and Sarah wrote some of these letters was donated to the University of Kansas and the main campus now sits on what was their land. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Territorial Kansas Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Bleeding Kansas era. The URL for the website is www.territorialkansasonline.org. Thank you.